Daniel Blanchett from the Love Crucified community gives his testimony on February 24 of 2022. Lord has called me yesterday and asked me if I'd be willing to share a little bit about the situation in Canada. And then in the conversation, she mentioned, just share from your heart, Daniel, anything you'd like. And uh, she, she made the comment, why don't you consider just sharing how you're living as a missionary of the cross? And so praying about it this morning, I felt, I think that's a, probably a good idea. And so I, all I want to do tonight is just share some anecdotes of significant and insignificant things that have been in my life in the last few weeks. And I hope it serves, it serves you as, as light as how we live our vocations as missionaries and, and mothers of the cross. For, so, so for those who don't really know who I am, I, I live as a consecrated man here at the refuge with Father Jordy and the Hicken family. And obviously with a, an openness to serve as a priest, if God opens the doors down the road. It's been such a blessing. I've been in the community almost with Love Crusade almost 10 years now. It's hard to believe. Coming on to 10 years. And I want to focus on one particular element of, of my life as a missionary of the cross tonight that can serve serve you, hopefully. And it's that of family life. There's absolutely something beautiful, even as a consecrated man as a priest, a future priest, or as a priest of the community, to be exposed to the intimacies of a family and, and the family dynamics. The dynamic I live here at the refuge, Mark and Maria, have truly welcomed me as a son and made, made me a member of their family. And I cannot tell you the blessing it has been in my life. I've lived my entire adult life as a consecrated soul and the formation of the heart that I have received living within being exposed to the dynamics of a family have been absolutely amazing. And so I want to share some, a couple anecdotes of the last few weeks that, that may be some light. I want to start with message 135. From the path. Last night, as we prayed the rosary during our cenacle, I first saw interiorly Jesus' wounds as a very large passage. Then Jesus raised up my body into his crucified embrace. The family of love crucified was interceding with great love for many souls. I then saw a long line of men, women and children, children entering Jesus' wounds. He allowed me to see most clearly the faces of the children. Their eyes were the blank gaze of hopelessness. At the same time, through the gaze of their eyes, 
I felt the immense pain and suffering in their hearts. I couldn't contain my tears to see and feel such woundedness and pain in the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters. <clears throat> my tears continue to come this morning as I continue to see into the eyes of our Lord's children. I shed tears for them and cry with my Lord and mother, suffering one heart with them for all humanity. What pain, what suffering, what love. Come Holy Spirit, come to renew the face of the earth. My wounds are the passage to enter the infinity of God. I allowed my body to become one wound so that all humanity could enter. Each victim soul has the power from God because of my victimhood to draw souls into my wounds. Your fiat and your desire to be my victim souls has allowed the Holy Spirit to unite you into my crucified love. I first revealed to you the infinite depth and width of each of my wounds. Then I raised you, my little victims of love, into, into my crucified embrace. As you, love crucified, prayed with one heart and mind through me, with me, and in me, your prayer is received. Your prayer received the power of the Holy Spirit to draw souls into my wounds. Believe in the power of your prayers as one with the perfect victim of love. Continue praying and living as God's hidden force. So I feel blessed to be able to share a little bit <clears throat> of what I, I live with you because I think you're probably the only people who could understand what I live. If I were to try and explain my life to many relatives or, or other friends, I don't think they would necessarily understand me and probably think I'm crazy. I have the consolation to, to think that you would understand. Everything I live in these last months is lived with an intensity of being a victim soul. This past weekend, John Paul, the, the disabled child, was on winter break. And so we've made it a custom the last few years that every time John Paul has extended vacations, I tried to take him camping because he drives his mom crazy so many days in the house. So we went, we, not, we went down to Florida where the weather was a little warmer. And we went riding four-wheelers in, in the forest for a few days. The last day, it was raining. So I asked Maria what she thought of us heading home earlier that day and possibly stopping at the group home where Joseph, the John Paul's twin brother, is currently placed just to stop in and say hello. Joseph Hicken, the twin, has been, Mark and Maria have had, had the pain of having to place him, institutionalize him because of, of just great difficulties with him 
causing damage to the family, to the home. It's been a very, you know, those who understand adopted children, they can be very painful. I personally had not seen Joseph for a few years now, almost two years. And so it was a, an awkward experience when I first saw him getting into the truck with us. And as much as I wanted to see him, there was a, a certain, certain blockage in my heart to truly embrace him. You know, when you see the brokenness of a soul, at least in my, in my case, I often, when, when I see brokenness, I easily fall into to kind of disgust or repulsion. And, and it's so hard to love so freely. I, I watched Maria just lavish the kid with so much love, hugs and kisses. And it, it marvels me because for me, it's difficult. And uh, so we, we took him out to lunch and we, we spent a few hours with him. And every, everything went well, but I, I was like a magnet to, to the, the pain inside the kid that remains. The pain that he wished he could be different, but he can't. The pain of him with wanting to be reunited with his family, but he knows he would probably hurt his family. And I was just a magnet to that pain. I look back now and I, my absolute horror, when we said goodbye, I, I, gave, I shook his hand, I gave him a love tap, but I did not give him the hug and an embrace that Jesus Christ would have wanted me to give him. In, in that same trip, John Mark called. John Mark is a, an older son. He's Ukrainian, adopted, that Mark and Maria adopted. He called at one point, and John Mark, being a good-hearted kid, played, was playing the wise guy, trying to tell Joseph all the things that Joseph had to do to not make the mistakes he had made, and so on and so forth. But I saw goodness in the conversation in John Mark, um, authentically not wanting his little brother to make some of the same mistakes he had made. And in that conversation, John Mark exposed some of his pains that he, he has. And again, my heart became a magnet to that. And when the news broke out this morning about the, the war in Ukraine, the, the invasion of Ukraine, it's, it's all nice to say, well, we're going to suffer in solidarity with Ukrainians. But my, my mind and my heart went immediately, immediately to John Mark. That's the only connection, the human connections I, ha I have to Ukraine. And, and touching the pain of John Mark, I felt I could touch the pain that's in Ukraine. Mark and Maria have also adopted two girls from Russia. And this past week, one of the girls has had a major suffering, some confusion, and it's caused a lot of suffering. It's been amazing in the last 10 years for me to see these girls grow up and elicit in my own priestly heart of a a father's love. I'm not the dad in any way, but being around these young kids and, and these girls, I've grown to, to, to love them with a true fatherly heart. 
And so in this particular um, struggle with this one daughter this week, there was such a an overwhelming emotion of 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 suffering. I did. I I would have never. I, you can't explain the love of a father. It's unexplainable. In, in this particular case, this daughter is married, and the husband is in in a great suffering also with seeing his wife struggle, and so. In my prayer this morning, I had a very powerful experience just contemplating the the instance where Jesus Christ is standing before Pilate. And looking at the tyrant in the face, Jesus Christ, with complete conviction, says, for this I was born, for this I came into the world. And it it just floored me and shook me to the core because in the particular suffering I was in, the the, the force of that same intensity of Jesus Christ, I felt in myself. For this, I was born. For this, I came into the world to to suffer with. For, For those souls that I've grown to love so much, I hope and pray that all of you come to have that incredible experience where the Lord truly convicts you of who you are. That line from Maria's song always moves me. En el amor, en el, en el dolor, me multiplico. I know who I am. In pain and in sorrow, I multiply myself. If if I had to have a, a an epitaph on my tombstone, I would love it for simply to say, I tried to suffer with the the message I just read to you, 135, has a beautiful message of hope for us. It says simply, your fiat in your desire to be a victim soul has allowed the Holy Spirit to unite you into my crucified love. Jesus is not saying you have to be a perfect victim of victim of love. You don't have to suffer with perfectly. Simply your fiat and your desire to suffer with gives permission to the Holy Spirit to do miracles. Also, the, the these past weeks, I've had to accompany in in the in dealing with this wedding. I had to accompany my mom and dad. My mom and dad chose not to get vaccinated. And for those of you who know anything about what's going on in Canada, the, there's such a tyranny with the COVID mandates in Canada. My mom and dad, I think, are probably the only one in their town who have chosen not to get vaccinated. My father has pulmonary fibrosis. My mom has Crohn's disease. And so they had every reason to get vaccinated. But being very special, um, I think I think they, they have incredible spiritual insight. 
very early on, they, they made a decision, a, a spiritual conviction to, to resist the evil behind all these mandates. And so I had to watch and accompany my mom and dad for weeks now, brave all the consequences of this decision. And specifically the one of not being able to attend this son's wedding. You know, this particular son is probably the closest to my dad's heart. And so the pain in my father to not be there. It was a, a moment of grace to for me because my small effort to suffer with my mom and dad in this in these particular trials, they, they've been slandered upon, upon by everybody in their town saying, if you were just get vaccinated, this whole thing would come to an end. And the town is all vaccinated. You know, the nonsense of the accusations that they, they suffer. But my small effort to suffer with their pain and touch the pure pain of, of Jesus Christ in their hearts, I've experienced a newfound freedom in myself to, to show genuine love to my mom and dad. We all have our father mother wounds, and I've always struggled to, to lavish my mom and dad with love. But this particular experience has brought me freedom, and it's because I've, I've tried to suffer with, with them. I move on to my twin brother. My twin brother, very early on in the, in the in the COVID pandemic, got vaccinated. Not really understanding anything, being forced to by work or you know the risk of losing his job. In all honesty, he also got vaccinated with a strong bad motivation of winning the lottery. And he jokes about it now, but it was a terrible motivation. I mean, in the early days, the Canadian government was giving millions of dollars as an incentive to get vaccinated in lotteries. So he jumped in the bandwagon with that. He laughs about it now, but he sees the, the stupidity of it now. But since then, I've accompanied him in, in his process, and he's had a complete 180 in in wanting to fight the tyranny of what's going on in Canada. He has seen the the unwarranted damages to the livelihoods of his co-workers. You know, unlimited paid leave, business, small businesses being destroyed, social and cultural life being put to a complete standstill. The church and worship closed down for years. Education shut down, travel stopped. As I said before, it's it's so important for us as victim souls to to be able to live certain um, sufferings through the prism of one we love dearly. And it was something I've been able to amazingly do through my twin brother. My twin brother invites the local bishop for dinner every two weeks. He's very close to the bishop. And the bishops in Canada have basically rolled over to the to the tyranny. The, the, the church in Canada has been almost obliterated with in attendance, in donations, because the church 
has shut down. I have one brother for almost a year and a half could not find the mass anywhere. And, and so in my brother Dennis sharing me the constant, you know, on an every two week basis, sharing me the conversations he's been having with the bishop, friendly but tense, and trying to challenge the bishop on the decisions he's been making. I feel like I've been given a very human point through my brother to suffer what the bishops are doing. Now, it's one thing to know it intellectually. It's another one to, to have a bishop in your life. You get the point. Going on to the, continuing with Dennis, but going on to, to some of the truckers, Dennis has been in daily contact with one of the very first truckers who started the trucker convoy in Canada. Believe it or not, a young man who was an ex-legionary and had a rough patch after he left. He wasn't in the seminar for very long, had a rough patch with alcohol and just felt in his heart he had to make a stand. And I could and, and Dennis dealing with him, I could sense it was it was a, a seeking personal redemption almost in standing for 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 truth and justice. There, there's a real motive in seeking personal redemption in, in, it, in it. And so my brother informed me, informing me of his daily dealings with this one young man in the trucker convoy, I felt as a victim soul that I had a real part in the trucker convoy. It was intensely in my prayer daily, you know, through this one young man that, you know, I could multiply to all those involved a sense of, of of new hope, you know, a real patriotism for a that's basically non-existent in Canada, um, a real hope that a difference can be made by a small number, and more than more important and than anything else, a real conversion of life for a lot of these truckers. You know, truckers have rough lives, difficult lives. A lot of them have broken lives, and from the sense I've been getting from this particular one young man, a lot of them are finding reform and, and change for themselves for the better in this cause. Lastly, I, I, I just mentioned my grandfather because my grandfather passed yesterday at 3 p.m. And in prayer, I was brought back to my last memory I have of him. Two years ago when I visited home, my very last conversation, I was alone with him. And in my family with men that are rough and tough farmers and ranchers, you never talk about things of the heart. You just don't. And yet, so I, you know, the typical thing with my grandfather was is you talk about memories of the past that, you know, the Wild West days of when he settled and, you know, all those good stories. And he stopped me. And he stopped me in my tracks and wanted to talk about his heart. And he started talking about his kids and the immense pain and regret that he had in, in mistakes he had done with his kids. He went on basically making a, a lengthy confession to me. I mean, he, who am I? I'm just a grandkid. But he made a lengthy confession to me about basically appropriating all the ills and sins of his nine children to himself. And 
it, it just gave me a, you know, going back to that memory, it, it gave me such a, it, to, to enter, here's a man who knows, who knew nothing about being a victim soul and yet understood the principles of what it is to be a victim soul. And so I felt through, through that memory, I could, you know, really suffer for, for him and with him. So I know all my anecdotes are kind of all over the place, not making sense, but I want to finish with this one, this one prayer and idea, this incredible desire I have for each one of you. And I want you to pray it with me in your hearts. Do not grow weary of persevering in love and sorrow. Do not grow weary of your piercings, large and insignificant. Have eyes of glory that make you courageous in multiplying yourselves in this global salvific drama. The real pandemic of fear of suffering is showing itself. For this, you were born. For this, you came into these times. Suffer with him. Suffer with him in the realism of those close to you. May you feel, bleed, and cry intensely. May your fearless, crucified hands, gaze, and speech cast into hell the oppressive fear of suffering in your territory of souls. May you grasp his goodness in moments of respite, consolation, and taste fully the kiss of bliss with the crucified. Amen. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you.